Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. Six more league out weekends to go, but everything is just coming to temperature. But who's cooking with heat and who's still defrosting? Uh, all of that after your latest headlines. Saint-Étienne almost pulled off the greatest upset on Friday night as they were moments away from handing Paris Saint-Germain what would have been only the third defeat this season. Rami Cabela gave the hosts an early lead and Presto Kimpembe's red card only helped matters only for the goal scorer to miss from the spot and then for Matteo Debushi to put past his own goalkeeper in added time as the champions-elect had to settle for a one-all draw. On Saturday, Monaco cut the gap to the table toppers to a mere 14 points as they came from behind against Nantes to win 2-1 at the Stade Louis II, with Ronnie Lopez scoring his 10th goal of 2018 more than any other league player. Adrian Thomas, oh, and yeah, Adrian Thomason gave Le Canary the lead, but uh, those that goal from Lopez and Aradamalfo Castro helped the Principality Club remain unbeaten in Ligue 1 as well since November 26th. In the multiplex, Amiens took one giant leap to Ligue 1 safety as they defeated Caen 3-0. Goals from Bakay Dibassi, Serge Gakpe and Musa Konate helped these home side seven points clear while simultaneously pushing their visitors closer to the relegation trap door. Elsewhere, four of the other teams in trouble failed to pick up three points to ease their own plights. Strasbourg will be somewhat satisfied with their point at Angers with a one-wall scoreline, especially after Carl Tokwe-Kambe's goal in the final moments was ruled out that would have given the home side all three points. But there will be worries building in Toulouse, who let Dijon sneak away with a 1-0 victory, the worst away side in Ligue nicking a vital three points. Lille would be kicking themselves as well as they let a goal lead slip at Bordeaux, who won 2-1, while Troyes continue to sink in the quicksand as their 4-0 loss to Gangomp means they haven't won in their last seven outings, scoring just once in that period. On Sunday, Rennes maintained their command of fifth with a one-all draw at Nice. The Brittany club are now in the driving seat with several teams only a few points behind them. Uh, Leon moved up to third as they thumped doomed Mets 5-0, a surprise double from Marcelo, and four assists and a goal from Memphis Depay helped rubber stamp their fourth league re- win in a row. That was allowed to happen because Marseille could only manage a goalless draw against Montpellier. The home side may have cause for anger as they should have had a penalty for a foul on Costas Mitroglou. And this time it was maybe a little bit legitimate in the second half. Um, But now are trailing Legone on goal difference. And in off-the-pitch news, all of us in the Get French Football family would like to send our thoughts to the families and friends of both 18-year-old Lerave defender Samba Diop and 12-year-old Gangomp youth player Baptiste Le Foll, who tragically lost their lives this past few weeks. May they rest in peace. And that's all for now. But for all your latest news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. 
we start with this week with that game on Friday and an almost incredible result for Saint-Étienne, who have been terrific recently, but were really, really terrific in this one. I, I was thinking, as I was writing the script for this one today, Rich, that in all honesty, I don't think, other than maybe that first Lyon game this season, I don't think there's been a team that's played better against Paris Saint-Germain and been more dominant in Ligue 1, at least, terms, and, and in fairness, really, in the Champions League than Saint-Etienne were on Friday night. I'd probably go one step further and say I haven't seen any team uh, in, in, you know, be it, be it Lyon's first half or not. I think that was a, a terrific 91 minutes of, of football from, from Saint-Etienne. It was exactly how you should go after um, this PSG team. They were unafraid. They were willing to attack. They weren't just going to sit back and accept that defeat seemed an inevitability. Um, I mean, we know, we know Saint-Etienne have been on a good run of form lately, but I was perhaps surprised uh, at just how well they played in this game. And, and it's, it's a real shame that they're going to be left kicking themselves because push comes to shove, they, they do only have themselves to blame for not taking all three points. Um, they, they got that early lead through through um, Remy Cabello, who's hitting a little bit of um, hot form at a, at a good time for Saint-Étienne. Um, missed that penalty, um, which was, you know, very unfortunate. I think he's, he's tucked away a couple of late. So you'd have, you'd have banked a decent amount of money on him scoring that. Helps with Kempembe's red card, who had an absolutely awful first half. I mean, he wasn't alone, but it was a really, really poor poor first half from, from Kimbembe who had a chance to um, to sort of stake a claim to be the number two behind Thiago Silva and didn't really take it. Um, and in the second half, again, you know, I think PSG upped the ante a little bit more and were a little bit more um, of a threat. But, you know, we saw um, uh, Usama Tanan, he hit, the, he hit the crossbar. I think actually... Uh, Ariola, I think you got a little touch on that, I think, if I remember rightly. Um, and then, of course, we come we come to Cavani's miss. Um, Di Maria is through in on goal. Um, unselfishly for him, lays it across to Cavani. I mean, we've, we've all seen it now. Open goal. I mean, to say that he was under a little bit of pressure from the defender was do, is doing an absolute overstatement there because really the defender's not... Anywhere near him, but he's in this. He's in a screenshot. Let's Cavani that. And I mean, he could have taken a touch. He could have taken three or four touches. Goes for it first time. Let's the ball come across him, and expertly guides it out of play for a goal kick. <laughs> it was. It was one of those moments. Um, I think it was. I think it was Robbie Thompson who was on the world feed. Um, if you listen back to his commentary, he's 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 as perplexed as anybody how Cavani has missed that because we joke about Cavani needing all these chances to score. I've not really seen him miss one like that before. That that's a new a new level of of missing uh, an easy chance. It was an absolutely appalling, and it summed up PSG's night. Um, and then it's just so lucky because with that. That last, he pretty much was the last kick of the game, knee of the game. Cross comes in. Um, I think Mbappe jumps just in front of Debushi. Mbappe misses it. And there's, there's nothing Debushi can do. It hits his knee and, and goes past um, Ruffier, who up until then had been excellent. Um, 
and that was it. You know, an incredibly fortunate draw for for PSG. Incredibly unfortunate for Saint Etienne not to take three points, but a really, really for those ninety-one minutes, except for that final minute, a really, really positive performance from Saint Etienne. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were some terrific players in that game as well, and you mentioned how how good they really were um, there, Richard. But one man who Unfortunately, the headlines will be a little bit depressing because he obviously was involved in that in that final goal, uh, Jeremy. But it it was Matteo Debussy who was really really superb, especially in the first half. I mean, a lot of English audiences will think, are, are they are they going mad? Um, thinking of both uh, his time at Arsenal, especially in the the latter half, at least, and obviously his loan spell at Bordeaux last season wasn't wasn't the, the perfect ending for him really. In, at that place, but he's been excellent for Saint Etienne in a performance here that really, really must be uh, knocking on the door of uh, Didier Deschamps because if he can play at this kind of level, he is probably absolutely up there with the best right backs in in France. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> to be fair, he doesn't have too much competition because yeah. I think it's definitely France's weakest position. But he's had a he's had a fantastic 2018 as as most of Saint-Étienne have and um you know a lot of it is down to um sort of the defensive stability that that he's added but also the the sort of attacking impetus and he was yeah he was he was pretty unlucky on on uh Friday night but he also it was his cross who led to the Saint-Étienne goal so you know just on a on a personal level his sort of debit and credit um, sort of balance out but yeah overall, overall this year he's been really good I mean I didn't I can't say that I watched Arsenal week in week out but um, you know I, I always thought it was a little bit harsh I mean it started off with injuries I think but it was I thought it was a you know a bit unfortunate that he was sort of so quickly discarded and um, I think he is showing his worth now and I think there's a there's a sort of growing um sort of bank of support behind him suggesting that he should be in the World Cup squad. I saw I think it was um I can't remember if it was Dugarry or Didier Rustan, it might even have been both of them, um, sort of suggesting what their squad would be and both of them said said they'd have him. Um just because um with it being a dodgy position, they think maybe a bit of hardiness and a bit of experience might be better than someone completely completely new in that position as back up to, to Sidibe. And um yeah, based based on this year's form, he he definitely deserves it, and I can't think of anything else, anyone else who you know could really claim to be hard done by if they lost out, um, uh, you know, or if he if he sort of came in at their expense. No, absolutely, absolutely, he's really in that, and the praise he's getting um, is is absolutely deserved because he was terrific. As was Cabello, who's sort of on his own sort of renaissance mission, and I'm sure Saint-Étienne, if not more clubs in Liga, will be possibly discussing with Marseille in the summer if they can uh, take him off their hands because whether he really fits into their mould as well as is the scenario. But he's been excellent in uh, 2018. They looked. They look so much better recently with more vigour and, and Selness is playing great in the midfield, intercepting player and breaking up things and quickly changing those to attacks. Hamuma all of a sudden seems to have an extra burst of energy now and obviously he was involved in the, in the eventual second yellow for, for Presnel Kimpembe as well that saw him um, game red. But let's talk about that PSG defence as well because that was a real, well, in a way of a highlight of, of showing that they absolutely still have some weaknesses and 
in Paris, and it's quite clearly still not just that midfield that kept losing the ball in the in the first half and and in the start of the second as well that they almost had to sort of cut them out to try and get attacks in. But um, time after time, Rich, they they were attacked with speed, with pace. They've, there was a chance for Tanan as well, who hit the bar. There was the, the another Cabello one, obviously he missed the penalty as well. Um, they looked shaky all night. That some might argue that. Thiago Silva not being there and being a at least a steady head really more than anything with Marquinhos falling to sleep on the goal with with Kimpembe obviously losing his his will have it having given away a penalty and then uh, sort of stamping a little bit on uh, on uh, Hamuma although the stamp part might be accidental but it's a it's a foul from behind and a definite yellow um that's an area they need to address in the summer because the thinking is as well is if if one or two of those got injured if if Kimpembe got injured and and say Thiago Silva was was out or suspended they don't have another option there they they need someone there and that's somewhere they surely should be looking in the summer absolutely um I think the reports during the week have been that uh or across the weekend um coming into the, the start of this week have been that the PSG have identified three areas that they want to um recruit and improve um, their options, goalkeeper, left-back, defensive midfield. Um, I think you could probably add right-back to that. I think you could probably add at least one other centre-back to that, maybe even another midfielder to that, because I think there's there's certainly a, a, a need for a little bit more creativity maybe from midfield. Not, I don't necessarily mean like full-out attacking, because obviously they've got the options there, but someone who can link that that defence and attack a little bit better than than one or two of those players have shown over the past year, two years. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you look at Kazawa as, the, as the, the the sort of, I don't want to pick on him, but he's he's the one that you sort of focus at as, and use as an example of just how, you know, how far they have fallen. You know, we, we turn back the clock three or four, maybe even longer, Years ago, when he was that attack, you know, really exciting attacking um, left back with Monaco, got his move to to PSG, and he's he's not kicked on. And the fact that that now PSG are coming out and saying that you know left back is an area we want to look at recruiting in, you've got to imagine that it's it's well, it's one of him or or, or Bashisho who's who's off. You know, he's lost his place in the French squad. You know what 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 needs to happen for Gazawa? And my thoughts are maybe he does need to get out of PSG. Maybe he needs to get back to playing. Maybe he needs to get back to a bit of, almost have a bit of a reality check. I think he's, he's sort of cruised through his time in, in the capital. Um, I don't think he's been particularly challenged. Don't think he's been particularly pushed. Don't think he's been particularly well coached to try and eke out some of those attitude issues that we'd seen with the under 21s. Um, we we know what PSG are like with with giving homegrown youngsters an opportunity. You know, chances for those are, are, are extremely limited. Um, you know, I look at Kimpembe, a needless performance. We know he's a good defender. He's performed on the biggest of stages. I you know I only I only want to put that performance down to uh, as as with a lot of these PSG players, their minds aren't in it anymore. Yeah, you know they've got the league wrapped up. They know they've got the league wrapped up. They know they've got one domestic trophy. They know they're almost certainly going to get a second domestic cup trophy, uh, uh, cup win. They haven't achieved their prime goal of, of of Champions League. So as far as they're concerned, they're on holiday now. 
as cliched as it is, they are on the beach. Um, I, I think that's a foolhardy, you know, very foolish attitude to take. Certainly for you know players like go back to Kazawa, use him as an example again. But there are a number of players there who I don't think have performed now for quite a while. I think you could make a case. Uh, Jesme may argue differently, but I don't think 2018 has been a very good year for Rabio. Um, I think there's there's attributes that we're seeing that we thought had, had sort of come out of his game. Again, sort of attitude based on how he he addresses the the, the game that I you know I don't like to see. It certainly doesn't mean that you get the best from him as a player. Um, so there's one or two of those players who should be taking this opportunity to sort of stake a claim that, you know, it's looking all, almost certainly um, that uh, Emery will be off at the end of the season. Whoever this new manager is, and, and whether it's Thomas Tuchel or whoever it is, is going to already be looking at this PSG squad. You already, you know, that, that, that new coach will already be looking at this squad, thinking, who do I want for next season? So the fact that some of these players aren't cottoning onto that and thinking, actually, you know what, I'm going to look even better because there's other players who know that they're going to be secure next season and they're not going to put in their best performances. You know, you look at someone like, I suppose you could make a claim for Rabiot, but, you know, you could make a claim for someone like, um, you know, Marquinhos. He knows he's going to be there next season. I don't think he's playing particularly well at the moment. Um, but if, if someone like Kazawa recognises, well, actually, you know what? I've got teammates who aren't going to be playing at the top of their game. If I really put in the effort, that's going to be noticeable. That new coach will see that. And that's going to be an immediate plus point for when they come into the club in the summer. Um, so I think it just needs a lot. You know, some of these players just need to have a, a think. They've obviously got their short term heads on at the minute of thinking there's nothing more to play for this season. They need to think longer term because there's a lot of those players there who that new manager comes in. There's big question marks over their future at the club. I think it's um, it's a sort of a, a bit of a chicken and egg situation. I mean, you know, we've sort of flippantly said it for a few years now, but it feels more true this year that, than ever before that, um, you know, that the season comes down to one or two matches in, in March, April time. Um, and, you know, it really felt that way after after the defeat to, to Real Madrid, or certainly that the season is over from then. And yeah, as Rich said, that they all seem mentally on the beach. And I don't know if the reason they're not kicking on is because they've got the kind of players who have got this sort of Kazawa Rabio attitude of um, picking their games and completely switching off mentally, or um, you know the the fact that they only have these one or two games a season kind of encourage that kind of attitude in the players but either way something needs to change and um i mean i agree with rich i you know i've said before i think rabio the last few years has been one of um, psg's better better players and more consistent performers um especially in the big matches but this year in the you know the three matches that really counted well the two matches that really counted for P for psg and then um the last france match he just he didn't turn up at all um, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that if that cost him his place in the World Cup. But um, yeah, I, I, some there needs to be an overhaul. And you know, again, I don't know if the tone is set higher up because it, you know, I still I've still got a nagging feeling that it's not necessarily Emery picking the team half the time. So certain players know that they'll 
they'll be in the starting lineup for the big matches, whatever they do or however they perform. Um, there's and yeah, that there's players who set a poor tone. Um, as good as Saint Etienne were on on Friday, PSG just just weren't interested. And um, Cavani isn't the type of player that I would normally put in that bracket. And I know he, you know, he just come on and sub. He, he didn't start the match, but you know, even that that miss, as as much as I sort of make fun of him, and he, you know, he does come up with the odd the odd ricket or you know howler. That one, by even by his standards, was pretty poor. And you wonder if it's just the fact that they've all completely checked out. I mean, face it, that you know, after the Real Madrid match, the only big matches they had left were the Coupe de la Ligue final, and I suppose at a push, the Coupe de France semi-final, but you'd expect them to, to pretty easily beat Caen. And then in the final, they've got um, an amateur team to play. So, you know, they, arguably the, this match away to Saint-Étienne at the Geoffrey Guichard was, you know, the next biggest match. And you'd have expected them to at least um, sort of wake up or get into maybe second gear for that. And they just weren't interested. And, you know, it is understandable. Their season is over. But, and, they, you know, they don't have their current manager to play for. But for all the reasons that, that Rich said, they should be playing for the next manager. They should be playing for their professional pride. They should be playing for their place next season. They should be playing for their international places, either to retain the ones that they've already got or to, or to sort of push into, the, into their respective squads or make sure that they remain in the squads. And they're not doing that. And as I said, I don't know if that attitude is why they haven't progressed further in Europe or the fact that their season boils down to one or two European games makes them those type of players. But either way, it's... It, you know, you'd want them at least after the Real Madrid matches to show, okay, you know, they were two tough matches. We, To be fair, we did turn up in the first match and, you know, we just mucked up the last five minutes or so. We didn't turn up in the second. But let's show that we are a decent team. Rabiot was right. We're not going to win it. You know, it's all very well beating Dijon 8-0. But for the rest of the season, let's, you know, really put out a statement to the rest of Europe. We're angry. We're going to win every match. Obviously not 8-0, but, you know, we're capable of winning every match easily. We're going to do that, and we're going to really build some momentum and some attitude and a bit of a, you know, an aura for next year's European competition. If anything, that you know, they're they're even more of a laughing stock now than they were when they went out so so limply to to be, to Real. Yeah, they, they just sort of wasn't really any kind of verve to them at the weekend. Mbappe struggled to get into the game. Di Maria had a couple of moments, they but they couldn't get those attacking players in the game often enough. And so credit to Saint-Étienne to force them to do that. But at the same time, PSG have no excuses about not um, performing a lot better than they really should have done. And you briefly touched on it there, Rich, and it's the news I want to, to pick up on very quickly before we, we move on. And that's um, Thomas Tuchel, who's been heavily linked with Paris Saint-Germain. Now, it, it, a lot of German newspapers are saying that something has already been agreed with the former Dortmund coach. He's one of many names that's still linked with a post with Antonio Conte, a big favourite as well, especially in across English media. They think that that's his next step. And uh, there's also talk of, of Luis Enrique as well, still um, possibly in the pipeline. But let's focus on, on the German. Um, Tuchel obviously 
did a lot good for, for, for Dortmund, but at the same time fell out with the board there because he couldn't really um, keep players and, and do something like that. That's obviously something that might happen a lot easier at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, but is he the right man to lead them forward? Well, that's my concern. Is he's he, he's had issues with a previous board over over outgoing transfers. He's going to face a similar problem at PSG with regards to incoming transfers, unless something changes and they give him assurances that you know what he he does have control over who the club brings in and and El Khalif, he won't get involved because it's obvious he has been certainly in the Emery era at PSG with regards to transfers. Um, if if Tuchel can be given those assurances, uh, I, I mean, it's another, I, I just fear it's another Emery appointment um, in so much as, you know, they go out and get these, these big name players who sort of been there, done that at various levels. Um, and you feel that they, 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 you know, if they, if they really want to get this Champions League win, maybe they need to do the same with their manager. You know, maybe, uh, maybe someone like Conte would have been, a, a, would be a slightly better choice. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I think Conte would be, if I was, a, you know, if I was from the outside looking into PSG, Conte would be my choice. I think the fact that he is pretty clear in that he's unafraid to ruffle players' feathers will probably count against him for taking the PSG job, PSG job, because you know it's so obvious how much power. The likes of of Thiago Silva, Thiago Mota, probably Neymar now. Um, how much power they hold within the dressing room and probably beyond at that club. They're not going to want someone like Conte coming in and and giving them what for if they fail to perform because you know we see that happen in league and those big players do fail to perform. You know they're not going to want Conte coming in and giving them a rollicking at half time or full time. They're going to want. A slightly easier run now. Whether Tuchel is, is that easier run or not, I don't know. There's, you know, he, he doesn't strike me as the kind of man who will just bow down and let you know sort of player power um, take over. Um, but as with Emery, you know, they want to win these Champions League games. They want to, you know, they want to progress. They want to win the tournament. And I just feel that Tuchel, as a good as good a manager as he is, because I still maintain Emery is a good, you know, he's a good coach. Um, they don't necessarily have the quality to take this. They probably they might have a quality to other clubs to take them to where PSG want to go. But I think what PSG wants and how they want to achieve it, it, it it's a case of they're, they're trying they're trying to force two different methods together. They're trying to force the the glamorous, you know, almost Galacticos Mark two or three, whatever we're on now. But then, with a sort of pragmatic, sensible, down-to-earth manager, and I just don't think the two of them work together to achieve that that common goal that PSG wants. So, you know, I want to see Tuchel succeed because you know I think he he did decent things with Dortmund, and I think he perhaps left that that sort of project a little earlier than he he would have wanted and the club would have wanted. But for for whatever behind the scenes goings on happened, that that did happen. So he is a good coach. You know, many other European teams have been after him. Um, but I just fear that I'd, I'd like to make sure from his own benefit that it's been made clear to him what duties he, he will have. Because, as I say, from, from the outset looking in, it, 
just strikes me as another Emery type appointment. I couldn't agree more with any of that. I think um, for me, if not Pochettino, who's obviously not leaving, um, Conti would definitely be the right man for the job just for the reasons Rich said, because he is the type that will shake things up, won't stand for nonsense. And I think for exactly that reason, he won't get the job. Um, and as much as I like Tuchel, as much as I think he's a good tactician, which may help in the latter stages of, of European competitions, I'm just, you know, you look at his, his records and, all right, Augsburg, Mainz, and then a couple of years at, at Dortmund, but, you know, honours one domestic cup. And I don't think Neymar and Thiago Silva and Thiago Motta are the types that are going to look at that and think, yeah, that's the person, you know, that's the man for me. That's the man I'm going to follow and whose instructions I'm going to follow. Um, I know I, I also wish him a, um, a lot of good, a lot of well at, at PSG, but I'm not convinced about that appointment whatsoever. I don't Jez is right. Sorry, go on. Sorry. I was going to say, you're absolutely right. Pochettino is the man to go for. You know, if they are if they are to be doing what they want to do, um, you know, he's the man they need to bring in and they need to go after him, you know, sort of all guns blazing, as they would do with a, you know, with a star player. Um, you know, they need to be going in there and bombarding him because he is, he is the coach they need. You know, he's got links to the club. Um, obviously, it's a very different club than he will have remembered. Um, but he's got links to the club. He's he's got that right balance of of you know a great tactician, but you know unafraid to to put a little bit of discipline there. But perhaps not to the extent of Conte, which might frighten the sort of PSG hierarchy. Um, and and again, Jez is right. You know, it's going to prove a very very difficult to the point. It's almost going to be now and impossible because he seems set to to continue with Spurs, but they that that's who they should be making a play for without a shadow of a doubt and also as rich said Tuchel left Dortmund because of intru you know intrusion from above he's gonna he's absolutely gonna get that at psg unless um el Khalifi says you know what i've learned from the couple of years i'm taking a step back and i'm not getting involved in the sporting side at all but i just can't believe that's going to happen Yes, it's hard to imagine, isn't it? That's why I think someone like Luis Enrique as well, if if Pochettino is not an option, maybe feels more like the middle option that, that doesn't sort of unrock the boat of the, the players too much, but at the same time offers the tactical flexibility and the, the know-how of winning things when, as he did with a very successfully with Barcelona, obviously. But we still wait and see who decides to take on the mantle um, this summer when we see very likely, at least anyway, that when I am was to leave. But let's move on to the fight just below, really, Paris Saint-Germain and obviously Monaco um, in, in for that third place because Lyon uh, ended up overtaking Marseille at the weekend thanks to their 5-0 win at Metz. And Marseille's 0-0 draw at home to Montpellier, which means that Ligon are now above their opponents on goal difference. And We'll start with the team that are now light in fourth in, in Marseille. And, and Richie wasn't the greatest of games, and that's maybe putting it a tad lightly, really. But at the same time, they'll feel a little bit aggrieved that 
maybe they should have had a penalty on, on Costas Petroglou. In fact, probably almost certainly, but when isn't there a week five where Marseille fans feel like they should have had a penalty in a, in a football game? But um, at the same time, with them being a little bit unlucky in a decision like that, is that strike force and the lack of goals that they're having when, when Payet isn't on form, when, when Tovan isn't on form, coming back to bite them? Um, to touch on the penalty, because I've had turns and fro-ins with a couple of Marseille fans over <laughs> the last few weeks. I'm under no illusions that last night was a penalty. You watch replay after replay. You watch it in real time. You watch it in slow motion. It's a penalty. I have no problem in you know, in in admitting that. Simultaneously, of course, that first penalty two weeks ago against Dijon um, that resulted in the red card to, I can't remember the player who it was, was not a penalty. Absolutely not a penalty. You watch it in real time. You watch it in slow motion. The ball was taken. Clean tackle shouldn't have been given. So, you know, it, it, it happens. It, you know, Marseille fans seems to think it happens to them more than any other team. But, you know, I'm a Ren fan. I think it happens to Ren more than any other team. You ask Jez, he'll feel the same. Any any player, any supporter of their team is going to feel like, oh, you know what, we don't get the rub of the decisions. Remember, That's they got that penalty in the first match against Montpellier as well. Yeah. And yeah, the, 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 um, the, the one that, uh, was it Mondonda that, that sort of, Appealed and appealed and appealed for. It was eventually given, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it just happens. You know, it happens with every team. You know, you just build up a complex. It's completely natural. Um, but it, it just seems that a lot of Marseille fans seems to be, seem to be a little bit more vocal um, about it. But, uh, yeah, last night, that was a, that was a clear penalty. Um, I'd probably go back to a, a tweet I put out just before the transfer window opened. Um, in January, so end of December. And I said, Marseille, going into this transfer window, they need to sign a right-back, they probably need to sign at least two centre-backs, and they need to sign a striker, a, a good striker. If they can sign all four of those players, you know what, they could, at that point, they were still in the fight for second. They could probably, you know, make a really, really, really strong case for continuing that push, and they'd still be in that fight now. What happened was they didn't recruit a right back. They didn't recruit centre backs. They brought in Konstas Mitroglou. And I'm afraid this is what happens when you don't recruit centre They brought in last transfer window, uh, last January transfer window, 2017. They brought in four players. I mean, you know, two were a little bit ropey. Two were excellent signings. There's no reason why they couldn't have brought in four good players. It might not be the players that they want for the long term, but they could have brought in four solid, good players to plug those clear and obvious gaps in that side um, to continue their their you know their excellent form in the first half of the season. They didn't, and now they're in fourth. It, it, you know, there's a clear and direct link between not not recruiting properly in January and a complete loss in form. You know, they they haven't played great football all year. I don't think they've just been. You know, they've just been, be it luck, be it, you know, sheer doggedness from their part, they've ground out results. What they're now finding is that we after, you know, by not recruiting properly in January, a few injuries later, we're in a position where it's a threadbare 11. They're having to play, you know, incredibly inexperienced players at centre-back. They're having to play defensive midfielders at centre-back. You know, they've having, they've, to relative success, I suppose, converted Bunasar to a um, 
an almost um, uh, okay right back. But this shouldn't be happening to this team. It really shouldn't be happening to this team. You can't, you know, you can't predict injuries. Of course you can't. But you can recruit. You can still recruit better. They should have seen that the defenders they had were not good enough, fit or not fit. You know, they're, they're you know, Rolando, not good enough. Rami, not good enough. Abdenor, they're not playing him at the minute in case they think they're fearful that they trigger some um, uh, deal that they've got in his contract that they have to then sign him permanently. He's only on loan, I think. They have to sign him permanently if he plays more than 13 games. And you know, Gregory Gregory Sertic, it's not good enough. You know, they 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 should have seen those those clear gaps in January and should have and should have you know recruited to to put that right. And the panic buy that was Kostas Mitroglou, yes, of late he's cropped up with a couple of um, pretty important goals, but the return still nowhere near good enough and nowhere near the levels that they need because Valerie man just isn't, you know, the, the way that they, the way that, that um, Marseille play with one up front, Valerie man isn't that sole striker. You know, he was at his best with Monaco when he was playing alongside Falcao or playing alongside Mbappe or playing alongside someone. He was at his best. The same with Nice um, when he was on loan there. He's not going to be a, 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 a target man. He's not going to be a, a man who can bang in the goals if it's just him up front. So they brought in Mitroglu, who was supposed to be that. He can't hit a barn door. He really can't. He's just not good enough. You know, you look at the players that they were linked with at the start of that January transfer window. You know, there was Olivier Giroud. You know, he would have done it. He'd have done a brilliant job for these six months if they could have brought him on loan. They were linked with Moussa Dembele at Celtic. He'd have been an excellent investment for now and long term. But they didn't. They got to the end of the transfer window, realised that they need a striker, and they've gone out and bought whichever you know, whichever striker was willing to to sign a contract for. You know, in fact, it was actually a decent chunk of money, I think, wasn't it, for Metroglou? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was yeah. 13, yeah. 14 million, something like that. Yeah. He, so the he, fact he... they ended up, the fact they ended up with him, just it was a panic buy that's not that's not come to fruition. And by not addressing any of those issues properly, fourth place, which you know it's it's at the minute it's likely because that's where they're at, um, and it's it's going to be a season where they it's a complete missed opportunity. Yeah, and that's the, that's a strange thing at the same time because you would have told a lot of our uh, own fans that they they would have taken fourth at the start of the season. They maybe have grabbed your hand and chopped it off but at the same time you you feel like the season that they've had and the, the run they went on sort of um, to start the second half of the season at least anyway that they um, should really be in the driving seat because the disappointment Jez is that Lau and Leon are above them they have um, a good strong seven, go- uh, seven plus goal difference on them which was certainly helped by un- well, obviously the unfortunate de- demolishing of your own team really um, but at the same time Leon were really good that Marcelo scored two nice goals but Memphis Depay was was really influential in, in, in getting all those uh, goals but at the same time you start looking at their running as well Amiens, Dijon, Nantes, Troyes, Strasbourg, Nice 
a couple of weeks ago, if you would have told, if we would have told you that Leon had this chance to, to to grab third, you would have you would have said no after that run of of six games without win. But four wins on the trot, a little bit of a slip up from Marseille, a win obviously against them a couple of weeks ago, and they're they're right back in it. Yeah, I think I think you know, or, despite the 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 horrific form they were in, I think it all came down to that Marseille game. If they were gonna, if they'd lost that, I think it would have been over. I think Marseille would have had enough of a cushion. Having won that, um, even though they they were still a bit behind, I think that gave that gave them a lot more impetus. And Marseille were already looking a little bit um, tired. I mean, I think I still think that on paper it's a good Marseille team. I think it's lopsided in that um, attacking wise, it's a hell of a lot better than than defensively Mondanda and. Um, Luis Gustavo aside the problem is it's just the team it's not the squad and I agree with Rich about how the chairman's being used completely wrongly but um, the, the, the t- because they're, they're, not be- they're not able to chop and change much and obviously they've got um, the fact that they're still in Europe so that they've got a couple of extra matches to play um, I think is you know it's really starting to show. Gustavo, I just think has been a complete hero. And, you know, even this week playing in centre back, I thought he played very well. But he's he sort of looked looked back to his his better self this weekend. But there's been a couple of recent matches where he's looked tired. Torvan's kind of run himself into the ground for Marseille. Payet looks fresh because he's done bugger all until the last month or so when he's remembered there's a World Cup on its way but he was poor at the weekend and yeah it was absolutely a penalty but um, I think you know Maxime Lopez probably put it rightly when he said we shouldn't have had to rely on that um, so I, I, yeah I think probably the um, I think the running's relatively similar I know Marseille's still got Nice but um I'd say that, that Lyon are favourites now just because they look a bit fresher. You know, they've got Fekir to come back in who'd have, who'd have had a few weeks off um, against Mess, who it, 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 it was a great result for Lyon. It was, you know, really positive that, that Depay had such a great game. But also defensively, they were solid. Mess did have two or three chances. Lopez pulled off some good saves. And, and Lyon were clinical. I think it was five shots on target to six and, and Leon scored five of them. So you, know, you can't complain with that. But even in that match, you know, they, they Genesio tried a, a tactical switch and played a diamond in the middle and um, Depay and Traore out front together. That paid off. So, you know, we've seen before with Lyon how quickly it can change from positive to negative and back again, similarly to Marseille, actually. But um, certainly... At the moment, they're on the up. It feels like they're on the up, and, and Marseille a little bit on the down. Yeah, absolutely. They, they've sort of sprung up on them at the right moment, which seems a bit strange. And thinking that, um, thinking that they were gone. But again, I, I just wanted to circle back really to, to Memphis Depay, who who did put in a really solid performance again. And it's just a shame that this seems to pop up every now and then, really, for the Dutchman. It, I remember that 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 four goal. Performance in the first half of the season, and we thought this is the time to kick on. And he, he's had a good season, but at the same time, it, it's become moments where he's had to be dropped to the bench for a few games, and then he sort of sprung back into life. And this this was an example of it. He was unselfish, two great corners for for Marcelo's goals, a couple of nice little lay-ons for assists for Mariano Diaz and and, uh, and Bertrand Traore as well, and takes his goal nicely as well. Um, him getting more involved in the game makes him much a 
is such a better player when he's trying to link up when he's when he's trying to be unselfish he, he becomes such a better player really um, I we think just you, you'll know get. you'll know better than us from from seeing him for man united as well but i think that's been the issue with with a few of leon's players and certainly him and diaz you know there were there were times this season where you know it looked like they they weren't speaking they weren't doing anything or refusing to pass to each other and i think there was an element of selfishness but i think they both seem to have grown up quite a lot I mean, Diaz has been sort of consistently scoring all through the season, but they both seem to have grown up. You know, Diaz seemed to take quite well the fact that he was dropped to the bench this weekend and came back and uh, came on and, and scored. And certainly they, they seem in a good place right now. And Depay's recent form, I've, I've been a, as critical as anyone else about him because there's been so many matches, even the matches where he's sort of popped up and scored last-minute winners, like the, the one against PSG. I think he came on during that match and was just horrific. But then, you know, he can do something like, like what he did, you know, 25-yard 20, bullet into the top corner to, to win the match. And that's the frustration with him. But in the last few weeks, he's been a, a much more consistent. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that that sort of coincides with being form changing. That, that's where the cynical part of me thinks, and I'm going to probably be doing, well, I hope I'm doing him a great disservice, but the cynical part of me thinks, is this now the time is he is he now thinking, well, now's the time. If I'm going to be playing and playing very, very well, towards the end of the season, transfer window approaching, you know, with his, his attitude where it is, in so much as he, he maintains that he is this absolutely world-class player and, you know, the only thing that's stopping him is his own mind and his own attitude. Well, you know, is it now telling him, well, come on then, Memphis, put in these performances now because... People are gonna, you know, people are gonna take note. You know, scouts will see oh, the weekend. Memphis Depay got four assists and a goal, an amazing performance. Let's go and see him. You know, in the next couple of games coming up, um, and I hope I'm wrong, and I hope I'm I'm just showing my sort of worldly cynicism here. But to me, it strikes me that that is very much a, a likely factor for his improved performances of late, um, especially the. The sort of things that he said, and you know, said before that, you know, he thinks that he is this. There's nothing separating is it him and Ronaldo, or him and Messi, or him and both of them, except you know his his own mind and the way he thinks and and behaves. Well, you know, good on him for having that level of self belief, but you know, we know that that can sometimes get taken away and carried away with him to the point where, you know performances like what we saw at the weekend become a rarity again and as Jez says he has to be dropped to the bench and learn his lesson and come back so I'm hoping that this is a you know a, a new a new lease of life for him that you know he has a you know a couple of years in France to really get back his game to a the consistent excellent level we know he can get to um and that this isn't just a a blip of you know good performances to put him back in the shop window yeah, that's what we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully um, he can end the season strong. Let's, uh, well, at least for many Leon's fans, we'll hope that um, their strike force can be a little bit more unselfish in this last uh, part of the season. On to um, matters at the bottom of the table. Um, some interesting results. Obviously, we mentioned last week that, that none of those sides really are playing each other, but some big games for them nonetheless. And none bigger than for Amiens, who won 3-0 in a massive result against Cologne. I mean, we said the week before that it was a big result, but this was 
emphatic really with a 3 0 victory that they absolutely 100% deserved against a con side that are slowly sinking into the position that Amiens was was in. But after this one, Jez, with, with that 3 0 3 0 weed, with that seven point gap now for, for Amiens as they uh, now sitting in, in, in 13th above even Angers now and Con, um, with several teams be- below them that would have to sort of bypass them to get there. Are they safe? Um, as a Brighton fan, I mean, mess I've given up. But as a Brighton fan, I'm an expert in working out whether teams around 35, 37 points are safe. And I think that they'll be fine if, you know, I, I think they're fine even if they don't get another point the rest of the season because I just, there's no way that all those teams below them, the way they're playing at the moment, are going to are gonna catch up. Um, you know, Lille, Trois, Toulouse and Strasbourg, I think, could climb out of it. But Caen as well, I think Caen looking awful at the moment and just very lucky that they you know, they massed some points earlier in the season and that there's some other teams playing so badly. But I, you know, I really, apart from the matches between each other, I can't see many of these teams picking up many more points. And um, yeah, it shows how, how quickly things can change. Just two straight wins, one against a direct rival, and they shoot up the table. But yeah, I think they're good. They're well worth their place, and yeah, I think I think they're going to be fine. Mm, yeah, and terrific job they've done. I will mention it a lot more when they when they absolutely confirm it, because obviously there's plenty of weeks to go, and you never really know at the moment with this uh, dogfight that's going at the bottom of the table. But they've been terrific. But as for for Colrich, they they've slowly sleptwalked into their own sort of relegation battle. Now, obviously they. Uh, a six points above that um, dreaded dotted line, at least Trois, um, at the moment. But at the same time, they've just slowly slipped into into well, oblivion. Really, is maybe the best way to put it. They they had that win against Strasbourg a few weeks ago, which which felt like probably just enough. But at the same time, they 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 start to lose heavily to teams around them against Angers and Amiens. Um, they, they've got. Games against other teams below them. The, the next three league and games are, are Toulouse, Metz, and Troyes. Maybe they've got an eye on that semi final for the Coupe de France, even though it is against Paris Saint Germain. But um, at the same time, you look at April, especially when May is Monaco, Nice, and Paris Saint Germain, which is an absolute firewalk for them, really. Um, that this, well, they could really be in danger if teams start picking up points below them. Yeah, I mean, by by the end of April, we'll know whether whether Khan are, are out of here or not, because if they don't pick up those necessary points in those three league games, um, again, all three are... Sorry, Jez, but Mets perhaps not a direct rival, but certainly Toulouse and, and Twer are direct rivals to be, to be staying up. Um, if they haven't got those required points, and by required points, I'm saying they need to be winning at home to Toulouse, they need to probably be beating Mets, and they need to be avoiding defeat away at Twer. If they don't come out of it with that, they're probably do- done for because you know you just can't see them picking up a win at home to Monaco, away at Nice, at home to PSG. Can't it? I can't. You know, you could perhaps make an argument for you know a, a lucky draw maybe in one of those three games, but that's probably it to the extent that they get points from those last three games. So by the end of April, we'll know what Khan's situation is. I think maybe probably the case with a number of other teams as well, but. Khan seems very clear-cut because they have you know, three games that they have to win, followed by three games that they probably don't think they will be able to get points from. Um, 
So the game coming up at the, at the at the weekend at home to Toulouse, without doubt, it's their biggest game of the season so far. Um, if they don't come away with three points there, you know, you automatically, I think, have to look at them as 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 amongst one of the favourites to be going down. I think the only fortunate thing for them um, is is you know they're at home to Toulouse. Toulouse themselves are in a, a pretty dire run of form themselves. And perhaps more worryingly, it seemed to be one or two games aside, but are really struggling to find the back of the net as well. So I think Khan can go into that game thinking, well, you know what, we know we can, we know we can score. It may be only one or two players that we seem to be relying on to score, um, but they they know they can. So that's that's the key game because if they don't get all three points at home to Toulouse, they're in serious serious trouble. Someone who is certainly in serious trouble. And it only really gets worse when you start looking at the, the games left for them and the games that's gone. And that's Trois, who lost 4-0 at the weekend against Gengar, but didn't really put up much of a fight. They've scored, as we mentioned in the news, um, just one goal in their last seven games, which is astonishing. It was in that 1-1 draw against Amiens, the only point um, that they gained since that uh, draw against Dijon, goalless draw back in February as well. But just looking at their games remaining, obviously there's six left. Uh, this, it, oh, I'll let you be the judge of this. So it's away at Marseille, home to Saint-Étienne, away to Caen, away to Lyon, away to Montpellier, home to Monaco. It's looking very bleak. I mean, if you're Lille in that scenario, you're quite optimistic that at least Toi might not really pick up another point and might not even score another goal for the rest of the season. I still can see, see Lille getting out of this. I mean, if only because they've still got mess to play as well. But um, yeah, I, I toil it really in the doldrums. And you could say about a lot of the teams at the bottom. I mean, on recent form, um, certainly points-wise, I think mess are possibly the most informed of the bottom four or five, which tells you all you need to know about the form the other teams are in. Um, Twelve, yet, you know, similarly to Caen, they've... At well, Caen actually haven't played great football all season. Twelve have at times, as is their their sort of want over the last few years, but there just isn't enough quality in, in that team, I don't think. And um, you know, they, they Gangon have hardly been in, in excellent form in recent weeks. Or, you know, they picked up their first win in quite a while last week, and and you know, they just they ripped Twelve apart. Um, so. <sighs> You know, it's it's crazy that I don't think Mess are going to get out of it, but it's crazy that they're not further adrift. I don't think they've won for eight, nine matches, and they haven't really fallen further back in that time. Um, and that, again, that says something about the, the form of those above them. I, I do think that Lille have got the quality, and um, with Gautier, the, the nous, to, to pick up a couple more points, and I just I can't see... Sort of more than a couple more points, a couple more wins, um, but I can't really see where Trois points are going to come from. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're in serious, serious trouble. Caen at least have got that cushion, but Trois don't have anything to play with. Yeah, let me emphasise the point if it wasn't clear enough about Trois so far. Because looking further up, let's go back to the start of 2018. They've won two games in that spell. That's 12 league and games, two wins, two draws, and every other game is a loss. They have scored five goals in those 20, 12 games. They have 
an absolute nightmare finish to the season, really, as well, Rich. Two sides that are fighting for third, one that's currently second, one that's fighting for fifth and, and the best, one of the best defences in, in Liga, and a side that's on an absolute tear in Saint-Étienne and, and even challenging uh, Paris Saint-Germain last weekend they've they've been in super form the only team they maybe are looking at is Combe as, as maybe a possibility but even then that's not a guarantee with them being such a physical side as well it's it's not completely out of the realms of possibility they, they may not pick up another point this season um you could make a very very good argument for that <laughs> what i think you could also make an argument for is it may only take one win from those six games to to be enough you know it's a horrible horrible run in and they've got by far the hardest of, of all the teams down there but but you know if they can win that home game to Carl, if they can nick one or two points from from their other games you know five points it, it could you know this it's so difficult to predict but five an additional five points you know it it genuinely could prove enough. You know, Toulouse have got... I think Toulouse and Lille probably have the easier of the run-ins of the two of, of the teams down there. Um, they're, they're sort of playing a, a lot of teams who um, don't necessarily have much to play for. You know, you look at Toulouse, they've got... You know, they've got Angers. Um, they look relatively safe, I think. They'll have, they'll have certainly by the time they're playing to lose. I think we'll probably have done enough to to um, rid themselves of relegation worries. Um, they've got Bordeaux, who by week thirty-seven probably won't have a great deal to play for, and Gangon likewise. So they've got three games there that are potentially winnable um, because you know maybe the teams that they're up against aren't going to be you know fully fully at the races, and then you know they're playing Lille at home. Khan away, um, you know, win that Lille game, and again, it could. It, it, it's you know, with six games left, it, we're down to a point now where just one win from those six games is going to make a, could make a huge difference. So it's it's really difficult to predict. I as much as as much as I'd love to see Twan do it with such a horrible horrible run in, you know, even I, I you know I don't think I could make a legitimate case. Um, that I would 100% believe in that they would stay up. Um, so I think they're probably going to be looking to be going down with Mets. And then I, I don't know if I could predict that final that final spot for the, the relegation playoff. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And there's there's going to be a massive game about in week 36 when Toulouse face Lille. That, that, with two games after that game, that could probably really save one of them or eliminate the other, really. And I, I, I'm really fearing for Troyes. I, I genuinely think that they, barring a miracle, really, even even if they do manage to win something against Con with the, the games that other teams around them have, uh, I think they're possibly dead and buried, really. They're, they're on an awful run of form and they can't seem to score goals. They can't keep them out. And they're facing... Well, five well six teams really that are still competing for each other the only one you could maybe argue on the end of well at the end of that is monaco on the final day of the season might not be playing for something but at the same time i'm pretty sure monaco won't want to uh, end this season with a defeat to a, a team that could be a, almost relegated but we'll, we'll wait and see and we'll finish this week and we'll, we'll skip out our, our plane for russia we'll keep that for, for next week and uh, we'll go on to our um 
to our league on snapshots and i'll start with you rich um what's your league on snapshot for this week um mine's um sort of more um case of of sheer on uh, bad luck for for toi in their game against gangon um ball goes behind for a twa goal kick they play it short um they look to break from defense behind the twa goal the ball that had previously gone out of play is thrown onto the pitch by the Gangon fans. Just as Gangon um, get the ball off Twa, break them, break back towards the Twa goal themselves. And with both balls in pretty close vicinity, for some reason, the referee allows them to play on. And, and Gangon, um, I think it was their second goal, second <laughs> third goal of the evening. Sure. There's no, no, no way it should have been allowed. Um, you know, the other ball was, 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 was well within the realms of interfering with play. Um, a little bit cheeky, I think, from the Gangon fans. And it perhaps it was a goal that really summed up just how unfortunate Twa's season has been. Jess, how about yourself? Um, my snapshot's not quite from the weekend, but but from today. Um, you mentioned um, Samba Diop, who the, the love um, kid who, who sadly passed away at the weekend. Um, Love had a, a pitch invasion recently, and um, the LFP have have done their their usual ruling that um, sort of until further notice, until decisions are made, um, Love had to play um, sort of behind closed doors. Um, the club asked the LFP to to relax the ruling somehow um, to allow somebody else's family to to attend um, some kind of homage. To, to the player at their next home match and the LFP refused. Um, you know, I understand about um, you know, making precedents that could, could cause problems in the future and all that kind of thing, but there's got to be some kind of common sense and a little bit of heart involved. And the LFP get a hell of a lot of criticism. I'm not sure it's always completely fair, um, but in this case, it just seems a ridiculously cold-hearted um, decision and you know I, I hope that they they somehow sort of reconsider yeah let's let's really hope so because that's bureaucracy going a bit bit doolally isn't it really exactly, yeah. his family should absolutely be at be at that game um my snapshot goes to to one player that we've mentioned a few times this season but um and it, it was in the monaco game really that was a bit of a surprise really that um Thomas lemar was was left out of the squad but Possibly because of his recent performances, really, and maybe they they may be trying to shield him from the uh, from the transfer window that's likely to to happen to him in the summer. But at the same time, someone who has stepped up in his absence, really, and all season slowly has grown more and more influential, and that's Ronnie Lopez who grabbed another goal and an assist um, at the weekend. Uh, although arguably <coughs> the existence may be accidental towards uh, Radamel Falcao for their his first goal as. Um, but he's been terrific, the Portuguese man. We all thought that it was really, really big shoes to fill to try and replace Bernardo Silva. Probably more, even more difficult in that Monaco side than than Kylian Mbappe, given how good um, the Portuguese man now at Man City was, an influential at, at cutting inside, in linking attacks, in creating things from that side. But fair play to Lopez. I always thought that it never felt like at Lille that, although that first season at loan before he actually joined Monaco permanently that um, it felt like he might become something and then there was a second loan spell and he didn't do great there was a season back at Monaco and he, he wasn't really affecting affecting enough and 
this season he's come on leaps and bounds and, and credit to him to to get over the sort of criticism that a lot of uh, a lot of people were throwing at him to become um well one of Monaco's most influential players now and he scored a, a hatful of goals this season and more than like I say in the news more than anyone in in Liga in, in 2018 and more than um anyone in well <coughs> any, the only Portuguese man to in Europe to score more than him this season is a uh, um, the the big man into Real Madrid in, in uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So hats off to him. He's been tremendous and, and credit absolutely due to him. He's, he's bound to be in the talks of of uh, in the team of the season and, and the like. And hopefully he can also uh, go on and have a, a wonderful World Cup for his, for his country as well. Um, but that's all that we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Jez and all of you listening at home this evening. Do join us for the preview show on Thursday and the main show will be back at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.